0: Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash geekout. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player of your choice. audibletrial.com slash geekout. Help us out, guys. Come on. Come on, help us out. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, we're jumping into the book club. Executive decisions have been made, but I'm at the driver's wheel. We're going to see what happens on your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. My name is Steve Gloss, and the host of said show, so glad to have you along with us. This is a book club episode. We call it the Gulliver's Reads episodes, and on this episode, we'll be discussing two books, Unbroken and 112263, both very well-received books by our audiences, and we're very excited to talk about them today. And to help us do that, of course are the father and the mother of the Goldaverse Book Club. And because we say ladies first, ladies and gentlemen, first we want to introduce to
1: you... I love her anyway. Uh,
0: Miss Jackson, what's going on, Nicole? Nothing much. So good to have you back with us uh where you been?
2: work yeah, movies,
0: yeah,
2: stuff like that
0: now, should we reveal how did you get to go to that particular screening that you got to go to?
2: Um,
0: can you not reveal that I, I
2: can, well I can well I can reveal that, but I can't reveal anything else until Friday No,
0: I don't wanna talk about the movie itself. That's why I didn't even say the title. I just want to know. How, yeah. Did you go in? I a, go
2: to a lot of advanced screenings. So okay. The WB, they have this. The site is www.wbtickets.com. Mm-hmm. You can sign up and they there's an advanced screening in your area. And you're lucky enough to snatch tickets when they send the email. That's, how I, that's how I was able to go to that screening.
0: I've been to one advanced screening in my life. It was Rocky Balboa and it was probably the greatest night of my life.
2: I go to so many advanced screenings. I see the majority of the movies I see,
0: mm-hmm.
2: are fr- I see them for free.
0: Nice. Well, Because
2: I go to advanced
0: screenings. Well, we are glad to have you back, and, and you have been missed. And uh, because we uh, respect you and missed you, we held off talking about your love of the Minnesota Vikings until you got back.
1: So. Wow. I need
2: you to stop listening to Rod. That is that's such a lie. I believe green and gold over here. Go, Pat, go. <laughs>
0: well, speaking, <laughs> speaking of Rod, the father of the Golaverse, ladies and gentlemen... If Taylor Swish Swish Taylor Swish. Swish if Taylor Swish is a national treasure, then ladies and gentlemen, this man is a global icon vault headed rod. What's going on, my friend? Oh not much. I think the head looks a little bit like a globe, but There you go. Well, there it is. It begins there. You should tattoo the world on your head. I, 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 do you think just the continents? Because
3: the countries are always changing, you know. Then, I get worried that right, the tattoo right. would be out of date in a year or two.
0: Right. So that it looks kinda like a globe, yeah. And just the continents, and we can start singing. He's got the whole world on his head, and that would be awesome.
3: I think it would. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk to my wife and see how it goes over. But I don't. I don't see a problem there. I I, think well, I think she'll go for it.
0: I think it's easier. Listen, I think it's easier to ask forgiveness and permission, Rod. I don't think that will be easier this time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, here's what you do: get you some sharpies, and just try it out. You know, do a trial run
3: with sharpies, and just maybe just like one continent.
0: Yeah, no, no, do the whole thing. Do, do the whole, go all yeah. out. Sharpie it up. They got colored sharpies. You get some blue, you get some green. You do the world on your head, and and you find out that hey, this doesn't look too bad. Yeah, I can pull this off. Yeah, and then you can always, if you don't like it, just grow your hair out.
3: Wait. Well, i can grow a skullet, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> please, please do that for me. <laughs> if you're not going to tattoo the globe on your head... <laughs> grow a skullet. Grow a skullet. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, skullets were a thing with puppetry for a while. You couldn't turn on a PBS puppet show without there being a skullet somewhere on one of those puppets.
3: Well, it's just easier, you know. than so. the, the hair always looked like a Donald Trump toupee when they tried to do it on a puppet.
0: Yeah, well... depends on who it was depends on who it was listen i've got good hair i use all the big words i use the best words i know a lot of them i use them all use the best words all right let's uh let's get into thing. rod now you did not as you normally do forward me any emails um did, did we did we receive any we received one on Ender's Game. Oh well, where did pa- you? I think that, that. I,
3: th- I did not forward that one because it looked like it went to you as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, we're past oh. that.
3: So, oh wait, we just one just came in at the wire. Oh wow! About what? Eleven twenty two sixty three. All right.
0: Well, we'll hold off on that because I want to give you guys a chance to talk about the Unbreakable, a movie with <laughs> Bruce Bruce Willis. Wow. Why can I not talk tonight? Taylor Swish and Bruce Willis. So, star in a very special episode of Blossom tonight on NBC. Um,
2: um. First of all, the book is Unbroken. Not that's unbreakable. I, thank you. Totally, totally different.
0: Right. So, you're not talking about the Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, M. Night Shyamalan movie.
2: No, we are not.
0: Okay. So, Unbroken. Give me a synopsis of. I didn't get to read Unbroken. Give me a synopsis thereof
2: first of all i am shocked kevin smith highly recommends this book steve are you kidding me well you know kevin there was shark punching in this book
0: there was there what was, there, shark there was shark punching
2: shark punching in this book
0: wow well kevin smith Sharks got punched kevin smith recommends a lot of different but a lot of different things that i don't i'm not even look i just didn't have the time to consume it i apologize
2: you need to find a time consume it it's good
0: what is it about
3: it is the true story of a man that was an Olympic class runner, actually ran in the Olympics, mm-hmm. got drafted, served. Already World don't were, like him. crazy? he was a runner. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't run for too long because so he went a runner. So
0: this is the villain of the story.
3: I guess if you're kind of viewing Karate Kid as <laughs> Oberdocho, it's the bad guy.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but
3: uh, he gets captured. Uh, he. Shit, uh, his airplane crashes. He's in a raft for forty-seven days with two other guys, and they, two of them, survive, wash up on shore, and become Japanese POWs for, was it two years, Nicole? Yes. Two years. Oh, wow. It's an amazing story. It really is. Man,
0: it sounds like it. What happened to the one guy that didn't survive? He didn't punch the shark hard enough. No, okay. he no. did not. He he, he, slapped it with,
2: to, he slapped
0: He slapped it with an oar.
2: Yeah, he st- he had all the rations.
0: Hmm. So is this told like historically accurately? Is it some historical fiction, you know, names change to protect the innocent, that sort of thing? Nope. Historically accurate. Okay. All right. It is written
2: by the author of Seabiscuit.
0: Oh. oh
2: yeah.
0: Oh Seabiscuit. Mm hmm. Didn't see that one either. Toby McGuire, right?
1: Mm. Right. Okay.
3: I did not as well. I did watch this movie, and I will say that the movie was not nearly as good as the book. There was a
1: movie about this?
3: Yeah, Angelina Jolie directed it.
0: Oh, who was
2: in it? It got nominated year before last. I think it was Best Picture and maybe some other couple of Oscar nominations. Um, Anton Yelf, however you pronounce his last name, he played Louis.
0: Okay, the guy from... He played... Uh, who did he play in Star Trek? He's
2: in Star Trek. He's the young one. Right. The young
0: one. Chekhov. There you go. Yeah. Young Louie. Louie. Louis, Louis. Louis, Louis Zamperini.
3: Zamperini. Now, Whether the movie I'm ever to seeing... Your name.
0: Now, wait a minute. The movie I'm seeing, Unbroken from 2014, uh, stars Jack O'Connell as Louis Zamperini, and Donald Gleason is in this. We all know Donald yeah. Gleason as... Uh, Hux, Commander Hux, right? Yeah. True. General Hux. So I don't don't see Anton Yeltsin in this thing.
2: I could have swore he was in it. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Okay. No. Watch a
3: lot of movies. You might get a little mixed up. Jai Courtney. That is
2: true. That was another advanced screening that I saw.
3: Oh,
0: okay. Well, look at you.
3: I know. I felt special when I got an advanced reader copy the other day. Nicole's like going to movies right and left.
0: Now, Rod, speaking of it, you went to C2E2. I did. How was that? I had a blast. Yeah, bought bought a lot of prints.
3: Yeah, walked by the Delray booth, shouted past the corn, and they loved it. They did well. One half loved it; the other half gave me a look like, "Why do I keep hearing this?"
0: (laughs) And that's what we want. That's exactly. I was like, "This is the reaction that I was hoping for." (laughs) This is the reaction Erish and Steve are hoping for as well. Um, Now, did you spend more money on prints or meat this past week? (sighs) Probably meat. Then that's a good week, sir. Yeah, I I,
3: I got uh, had some chicken breast tonight left over from I hear got it from the store. That's the best meat on Bun Street.
0: Hmm. Well, I'll I'll have to be the judge of that. How much meat is there on Bun Street?
3: There is a lot of meat on Bun Street. Really? Would uh, that
0: be the meat? Is Bun Street the meat district?
3: I you know. no. It's a empty railroad dump area. So then <laughs> why? The, it? So it's like in the middle of nowhere almost.
0: So why is there so much uh, Why is there so much meat? Well, just this one little store. A yeah, lot but, of but dead it, animals
3: in the back. You can buy what you want.
0: But what I'm saying is you said there's a lot of meat. You said that there's... Oh, no, it's the
3: best meat on Bun Street. There might it might not be any other meat, but it's all right, the best. So
0: it's the only meat on Bun Street.
3: I think so. All right. I'm with you. I'm down. But I mean, I'd, I'd call it the best meat in the town. But. I'm
0: down. So, um... All right, so this Unbroken, what made it so good, guys? Talk to me about it, Rod. Well, I think when you start talking... Spoiler away.
3: Spoilers. Spoiler away. I mean, you're you're talking about a man who ran the Olympics at 21 years old. I think he ran the event, Nicole, was it like four or five times? He jumped to a different race, qualified for the Olympics at 21, just one of those ridiculously natural runners. And uh, he gets called to duty like they did in that era. Plane crashes, spends 47 days on a raft, and they're essentially catching birds, eating them. They they eat uh, shark liver at one point. You know, they actually catch shark by hand in a raft. Ooh. And then to survive in a POW camp and go through what they go through and to come out like he did. And then, you know, the, the man lived to 94, I think, and he was still very active. Even I heard stories that he would patch his neighbor's roofs. you know, Fix some shingles at ninety years old. He was up on the neighbor's roof.
0: He was unbroken, sir.
3: He really was. He and really as, was. As Nicole says, he found Jesus in the raft.
0: Uh, now, what yes, do you? he did. How does? What do you mean by that, Nicole? Um,
2: during their forty-seven, uh, somewhere toward maybe middle-ish towards the end of their forty-seven days,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, he was basically losing faith, and then he had he basically had a vision. Oh. That he would, yeah. <sighs> and then you know. After he was rescued, he he became a drunk for a little while, mm-hmm. and then and his wife... Like you do. He, he, true. <laughs> and his wife um, made him go to a Billy Graham revival. All right. And he basically saw the light.
0: Won't well, you come. You can see the light as well. That's how Billy Graham sounds. Um, this was, that's a, this that's, was a
3: young Billy Graham.
0: Well, yeah, a very he, young Billy Graham. Then he was a little bit more fired up than what I just gave you. but. Exactly. So... So he got, so he found Jesus then again at the Billy Graham crusade. Yep. Yes. During a temple revival. All right. Well, look at him. So, and the man lived to be 90 something. So what about, why is it, is it just about him? Is he the only one that survived the, the, the death camp or what have you? The, uh, his, there was a three in the raft and the one
3: passed away and the other one survived. And, uh, he, so the book mentions him a little bit, but the story is mainly Louie because the two in the RAF got separated shortly after. They got moved around to a couple different camps, and so they had gotten separated. So the, ma- the majority of the story does revolve around Louis, but it does bring up the other one, mm-hmm. the other guy, and some of the
0: other people that he met in the camps. Right.
2: All right. The other guy was Alan Phillips.
0: So Japanese concentration camp, this would have been then a World War II yes. time frame. Yes. Wow. Greatest Gen... Guys, I mean, serious business, no jokes. Greatest Generation. Really were. I mean, fantastic. Wow. So, Nicole, you love this book. Yes. All right. and uh, Why? What I mean, why? Just sell it to me. Why did you love it so much?
2: I mean, this was a... It, I just, it's like it had everything in it. I mean, usually I'm not a person for biographies. I'm just like... Yeah, really? It's a biography. I'll put that on my list to read.
0: <laughs> but then like I mentioned
2: earlier, well Kevin Smith, he wrote he read this book years ago. He did the him and uh Mosier, They did they did like two podcasts on this book and they raved about this book. And when it, and I was like, "You know what? When it came nomination time and go, I was like cuz somebody actually like December I believe, they got Somebody had given it to them for their birthday, and they already had a copy, and they were like, here you go. And I was like, thanks. Guess what I'm nominating for Verse Reads? We're going to read this book, guys. Cause, now, and, I mean, there's shark punching. Come on. Right, shark punching. Right.
0: And also, you were tired of science fiction. A little bit. Yeah. Did anyone second your nomination?
2: No, <laughs> I believe people know better, but, you know. Still working on I
0: gotta act. get. I gotta get back on those threads and start seconding nominations.
2: <laughs> no, you don't. You just need to vote for a book, and that's it, Steve. Don't <laughs> second a nomination, or I will boycott this podcast. <laughs> you will never see or hear from me again. By
0: the way, every. Well, by the way, everyone, Nicole loves it when you uh, second nominations. <laughs> nominations. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the quick <laughs>
2: A guys would be looking for a new mother, you do that.
0: Mm. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that in my life.
1: <laughs> no.
0: So don't
3: do it, Steve, because then I'd have to set up the poles and everything, and I'm not capable of that. Okay.
0: <laughs> um
2: I keep saying he's hearing plastic cups. That's probably Rod typing.
0: Maybe. Yeah, Rod Rod will make a lot of noise when he's doing this thing. So Um anyhow. How do I sound? Do I still sound stuffy, Wendy, Cooper, in the chat? That's a call back to Disney Vault Talk last night. Uh so <clears throat> well, I mean guys, get into it. I'm I'm basically gonna be listening in on this discussion because I don't I haven't read it. I mean I've been given the synopsis now, but I can't really get into anything else about it. Now we're taking calls about unbroken at this time. You can call into the show by dialing 912 386 4294 912 386 4294 Nine four, and uh, and if you've read the Unbroken, give us a call. Tell us about it. Tell us what you thought. Rod, you got some discussion questions for? Uh, actually, Nicole, oh, there
2: are a whole bunch of discussion questions. Nicole this took is why care of I'm it. Disappointed that there is there are no emails.
0: All right. Well, well after
2: people ask, where are we are we having a podcast? Are we having a podcast? Are we having a podcast on Unbroken? Well, we are right yes, now. Yes. Here are the questions. And but here's nobody's the email.
0: And here's Wendy Cooper. Wendy, how's it going? It's going good. Great. How, how's the high desert?
4: High <laughs> desert is uh, nice.
0: You guys starting to get hot out that way?
4: Um, actually, it was cool today. It was a whole sixty-eight degrees. So
0: nice, nice. Better nice. than the
4: thirties here. Absolutely, I'll take it.
0: I'll take the thirties. I'll take <laughs> the thirties. We were in the eighties around here.
4: Okay, eighties. Eighties was last week. Mm-hmm. Actually, eighties was like three days ago. And so I'll take sixty-eight today. Yeah. So, so now,
0: you read the Unbroken? I did. How was it?
4: I liked it. I liked it. Um, I probably wouldn't have picked it normally just because it's a biography, and biographies are, I don't know.
0: They're hit or miss.
4: That's right. They're hit or miss. That's right. But I was glad that I got a chance to read it because I'm kind of fascinated with World War II. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: But uh, I don't know why I've never really gotten into the Japanese side. I don't know why. Well,
3: I've said that, too. It seems like in school you always, we we learn a lot about the, the war as far as it pertains to the Nazis in Germany and Italy, and it it doesn't seem like the classes they do as much with the the war in the Pacific,
4: right? And and it's really weird because well, my mother in law lived through that. I mean, she was sent to the country during uh, World War II during that time. So because she lived in Japan at the you know she's Japanese, so you would think that I would be a little bit more interested.
0: <laughs> well, and not only that, I know that in America after Pearl, Harbor, and I mean it was the Japanese that got America into the war, but I know that in America there was a lot of racism and fear directed toward Japanese Americans.
5: Right, um, right.
0: And like to the point that they even got rounded up in right. into camps and stuff, so um, I I, I think, have a
4: story about that if you want. Yeah. Um, my grandpa was, uh, well, my grandparents lived in Parker, Arizona during that time, and uh, they had a little Japanese-owned grocery store, and then when the the uh, war broke out, you know, that was where one of the internment camps were, was in Parker. And uh, Grandpa was walking to his job down at the railroad station. He worked as a depot. I mean, he was he worked, he worked at the train station. I don't remember what his job was right off the top of my head. But he saw this um, Japanese man, and he's like, what are you doing here? You know, this is what happens, you know. Well, do you need anything, I guess, was what he asked. And he says, yeah. He says, you know... They don't treat us badly here, but my wife, you know, she's anemic and she's just not getting enough vitamins. So Grandpa says, um, "Okay, meet me right here, and I'll tomorrow, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring you something." And he had a handful of vitamins that he brought, and uh, dropped them in the little Japanese man's hands. And every once in a while, he'd be able to pass him some oranges or some fruit or whatever, you know, through the fences. And the the guards didn't really. They weren't too concerned, you know, so right, they right. never really got in trouble.
5: Yeah.
4: And I just thought that was, I don't know, kind of cool um, that my grandpa would do that. Of course, the grandpa never told us that. I didn't find this out until his funeral. Wow. <laughs> you know, that, that grandpa yeah. was, this is the kind of man your grandfather was. Right. Well, so what, I thought that was really cool.
0: What did um, you, you like about this book so much, Wendy?
4: Just, um, I think just, I don't know. I think I would have given up, but see, he went through all kinds of stuff, you know, but he, uh, he never stopped. He never gave up. And I think, I think in the boat, I would have just gone crazy. Like the one man did and eaten all the rations and checked out and they would have slid me under the water like like they did with the guy. So, um,
0: Now I would have cut that guy up and started using him for fish bait, I believe.
4: Mm, they didn't have a knife.
0: Oh, well. So, yeah.
4: and I, I also believe that's why um, the, uh, what do you call it, the lifeboats that they have now are better equipped because of the experiences that the, uh, <laughs> that with the Flyers were having during World War II. Mm. They started better equipping them because they didn't have very good equipment. Yeah,
3: I mean, when he was talking about, was it a shark liver that they could eat?
4: Yeah, was that, I think so. that was the only
3: part of the shark that they could eat? And so they, right. had a, so they had a signal mirror and that's how they were cutting open the shark to get the liver out to eat it.
0: Yeah, Why was that the only
4: part of the shark they could eat?
3: Uh, I think the
4: rest of it was nasty.
3: It was toxic. There was something toxic about it and he had sat through some classes when he was in Hawaii before he actually flew out. He remembered that from the class. That you could eat shark liver but that was the only part that you could eat. I
4: thought it was Oh, I don't remember. Never mind.
3: Maybe I, I might have that wrong. Maybe somebody will call I, in and correct me later.
4: I don't remember. No, I think that's that sounds about right.
1: Yeah,
4: I think you can eat their eyes now. Ooh, <laughs> they're full of they're full of well, protein. Full of, and, uh,
3: full of yuck, Wendy. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess if you're stuck in a rat, you're gonna do what you gotta do.
3: Yeah, and I mean, when they when they get to the point where the Japanese plane flies overhead and strafes some two or three times and
4: and he, and it misses him. Steve him he's a, he's a man of miracles cuz every time that plane came by it missed him.
1: Well, he it missed the other two. Just, he jumped missed, in the water.
4: You yeah, but it, you know, he he went through all this adversity and he came out on the other end strong and not broken.
0: He was unbroken.
4: That's right. And so <laughs> You know, and then he got home, and then he tried to go through life, and he was getting tired of being the hero and that was starting to wear on him a little bit, and he was being i think didn't he beat his wife a little bit, and she said, "That's it, I'm done, or was he just mean to her? I can't remember he was either mean way, drunk. yeah, either way, she said, that's it, I'm done because you can't live like that, you know he yeah, you know, really... found Jesus again and and then he started helping young 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 men that uh, were down on their luck. Wow. So it made me feel happy and all.
0: Now, I'm interested. You said he was tired of being the hero. What do you mean?
4: Well, because every, t- every time he turned around, he had to relive that, all the stuff that he'd go through. He had all these interviews with newspapers and television, uh-huh. and everybody wanted to talk to him and tell us about your story. And So he had to relive it over and over again, they kept you know, what a wonderful man this is, he's, you know, he's a hero, and he's, and he just got tired of living through it all the time, and which, you know, so he would start drinking, so he wouldn't have to live through it anymore, Right. But, you know, every time he'd live through it, you know, and he couldn't, and he couldn't run anymore, and that was dragging him down, because he, well, because he was, he, his body was broken,
1: <laughs> Right. He,
4: his spirit was unbroken, but his body was a little broken, so that wore him down is that he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't run in as like he used to you know and his dreams were changed and i don't know he just got tired of of you know holding up the standard he didn't want to talk about it anymore he wanted to go on with life but he kept being reminded of you know what he was supposed to be and, right right and stuff so
0: see that's an intriguing part of this whole thing to me is is that you know, we don't think about this when with anybody, whether they've gone through a tragedy or whether they're some kind of celebrity or whatever they are. Right. You know, we want to sit around and talk to them and, and get them to relive stuff over and over and over again. And all they want to do is just move on, just like right. any of us. You know,
4: just, right? Well, and, and they wouldn't let him. Nobody would let him move on. Right. You know? So they kept. You know, he was still in that prison camp for however long they kept him there.
0: Yeah,
3: almost two years. Yeah. So. Well, I it mean, was, he
4: was a prisoner in the prison camp in his mind in his heart, yeah. Rod. I'm going deep here. You're going deep.
3: And, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sorry, I wasn't. I wasn't deep.
4: All right. All right. All
3: right. Yep. Um, I think it was a, a PTSD before they really had that diagnosis for it. Yeah. And yeah. So he didn't have the therapy and the tools that some of the soldiers that come back now have. Right. But it's also one of those. When they start throwing out the numbers and, and the races that he was racing and the times he was putting up, it's what would he have done if he had stayed healthy?
4: Yeah. But woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, we can't live like that either. But it still grates on you, I would imagine.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, even after it, when he came back, he couldn't go back to the thing that he loved to do the most and the thing that he was the best at. He'd suffered an ankle injury and a knee injury, Steve, and so he wasn't able to, to run.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Competitively,
2: in the, right. in the Olympics anymore But he did do the He ran a torch a couple of times
4: I believe Afterwards Yes, yes. He, he got to run the torch at think, yes. <laughs> right. right At the end he's looking down at the camp That he was rescued from And he was carrying the torch mm-hmm. And that was <gasps> That choked me up
3: Yeah what year was that when the Olympics were in uh, Japan?
4: A while ago Good call. <laughs> uh
0: twenty twenty.
4: No, that was China twenty twenty.
0: Yeah.
2: Um no Steve. Uh, well that's
0: I'm <laughs> just telling you what I found with Google.
4: Twenty twenty hasn't happened yet.
0: Uh Japan first participated in the Olympic Games in nineteen twelve.
4: No. It wasn't that. I, my husband's uh, cousin went to those Japan games. And I, can't, I just can't remember how, when it was. It was 19-something. 1964
0: Summer Olympics, Tokyo. Maybe that's it.
4: 1970. No, it couldn't have been that. Why not? Because Patty's not that old. <laughs> oh. uh, 1972
0: Winter Olympics. That's the one. 1998 Winter Olympics and the 2020 Summer Olympics were hosted in Tokyo.
3: I think it was ninety eight. Yeah. Okay.
4: Because he was an old man. Oh. Yep. He was an old man, but he was still running. Yeah. Just you know, not competitively.
0: Um. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I'm looking at some of these things. Um. Let's tell me about the bird. What is the bird? Who is the bird?
1: Oh,
2: that is the man that terrorized Ooh. him Ooh, at the POW aw. camp.
3: Mm. Awful
2: he human tried being. To break Nasty. Him. He tried to break work. him, and did not break him.
4: It was like his goal in life to break him. That was his thing. Mm-hmm. He had to break him. And in the end he didn't see that he was doing anything wrong. That's the amazing part.
0: <laughs> oh wow. So this is right, He's was...
4: very
2: like bipolar about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The minute
2: he'd be ranting, raving, crazy, the next minute, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do this. It it was very psychological. And so th- any other person they would have broke.
0: Yeah. And um so Louie was going to be a part of the plot to kill him. Yes. Yep. Yes. And was he justified in doing so?
4: Absolutely.
0: Theory. Okay.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we talk about the guy going back to kill uh Oswald. He was this guy's worse than Oswald.
2: <laughs> Much worse.
4: It is oh my gosh. Just a piece of work. Hmm.
0: Um so I guess this got into the whole idea of what his life was like as a POW beyond just the bird giving them a hard time as far as like smuggling stuff and trying to hold on to little items here and there?
2: Yes.
3: Yeah, they actually, it was funny. They had one guy that had the eidetic memory. And so they would smuggle him maps and he would draw them real quick. And then he would copy the maps and they would put them back. Like here's a map. So it would show the status of the war at that point you know where the allied forces had advanced to you know they'd pull it from the office show it to them real quick and then put it back before anybody would see it and he'd draw the map and so that's how they were able to follow the advance of the allied troops
0: so (laughs) help me on my help me on my history here by the time that the atomic bombs were dropped there in Japan Germany was done with done Yes. Yes. And and so it was so. So the last thing that America had to do and I guess the allies had to do was clean up still there in the Pacific region.
4: It was still hard in the Pacific region, though, Mm -hmm. because the Japanese would not give up. They would not let in. They just wouldn't stop because to be they needed to be defeated because to give up was an, an, uh, was an honorable right. which is why a lot of these guys got treated so badly oh you're a loser not only are you a loser but you gave up you don't even deserve to be killed you know you don't need, <laughs> you deserve to be treated like a dog and and that's kind of their mindset mm-hmm. so they literally i mean america pounded them with bombs with artillery with everything in the end they were getting pounded and they still wouldn't stop so that's what I mean, they, they said they were ready to
2: kill them they were ready to kill everybody POWs themselves included just in in order not to surrender they weren't going to surrender they were like kill everybody they had orders they had orders
0: to kill the troops mm-hmm. right and and they didn't end up doing that because of the it,
3: I don't really remember it saying exactly why they spared Zamperini's Camp, Mm -hmm. but there they made mention of uh, yeah, the bird left,
4: yeah, he left. He left, there was a lot of guys didn't, yeah, but not everybody had that same mindset, though.
3: Yeah, but they talked about how a lot of the other camps that's what they did is you know, any POWs they had before the allies would capture that ground, they would execute them
0: all. Yeah, um, here's an interesting question it's number 21 on the discussion list. (laughs) It <laughs> uh, says, Hillenbrand wrote that among the former POWs she interviewed, forgiveness became possible once the POW had found a way to restore his sense of dignity. Uh, was this what Billy Graham gave to Louie? And if so, what was it about that experience and that sermon that gave Louie back his self-worth? Is, is that the moment?
4: I don't remember that. One. This was too long ago. I don't remember.
0: I
3: didn't really put it as like an exact moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he when he went to the fr- I think the first time he even tried to leave.
1: Yeah.
3: And he, he went did. back. Yeah. And he went back and then it was over time that he gradually be- forged this friendship with Billy Graham and and uh also oh, he he uh,
0: actually talked. He actually was a friend with with Grant. Yes. Yes. Wow.
3: And so I think I think it you know it was over time that he gradually was able to forgive himself and you know, even at the end he kind of forgave the bird for all the awful stuff that he had done. Wow. And, you know, he was willing to just put everything behind him and move forward with his life.
4: Yes. Not, not allowing the bird to affect him because the bird was still affecting him even though he was nowhere in sight.
3: Yeah. He would have nightmares about him.
4: And, and so once he gave that up, gave it to God, whatever, mm-hmm. He quit. Right. You know, gave him the. You know, forgave him, and then from that moment on, the bird had no more power over him, and that's when he really started to transform. He could go forward, and he was able to be a a positive influence in his community. And you know, but that going forward was was the problem. He couldn't get over that. Sure. And you and
0: and I guess and we chalk that up to a spiritual change in his life. Yes, right.
4: You know,
2: oh, I'm on like 347, page 347 in the book, and this is when she took him back to Billy Graham, and this is when um, Billy Graham was preaching about how God works miracles one after another, and which I totally forgot about this part in the book when they first, when the plane first uh, sunk. And uh, Louis was trapped in some wires or something, and then he fainted, and then he woke up and he was on the raft. Nobody don't he doesn't know how he got escaped that and all that. And he uh, he remembered that he remembered how the bullets how the bullets missed him, and that that's when he started. That's the, that's when it changed. That's when his mindset started to change when he started thinking about all the miracles that because basically they were that happened to him through his experience with the plane crashing on the raft and all of that.
1: Yeah.
0: All the stuff that got him to that point. Right. Steve,
3: okay. at one point, he, when the raft, I mentioned earlier when he's strafed by the Japanese, he actually jumps out of the raft, <laughs> and there are sharks in the water. So he is fighting sharks underwater while the plane is strafing the raft with the other two guys still on it. The third guy was still alive at this point. And jumping back in, and I think it was two or three times that the plane came back, none of the three men were hit with a bullet. Including bullets that went between their two bodies on the raft, and he never did get bitten by a shark. You know, kicking him and punching him underwater. Were so I'm, it's, I, it's a miracle the man lived so many different times. Can I mean, we,
0: t- okay, can we talk about sharks for a second? Thinking <laughs> <Like>
2: sharks. <laughs> yes, let's talk about the sharks.
0: <laughs> I mean. Like Rod, you said there were sharks, and like this was like literally the description of shark-infested water. Did they just decide to start following this raft around, thinking we're going to eat? Yes,
2: pretty much.
3: (laughs) I mean, yeah, Ed. When uh, the when it had gotten hit with the bullets, the raft after that plane had strafed it a couple of times, then they had quite the time where they would have to. They were trying to patch it, Mm -hmm. and since it had deflated enough these sharks were able to kind of try and leap onto the raft a little bit oh and try to drag gosh, them. Oh, my gosh, no. Uh-uh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like and then it
2: got to the point later on when the raft started deflating, the sharks got smart enough, they were like, you know what, let's swim under the raft and try to bump them out that way. And they started riling up the raft trying to bump them out from underneath.
0: Who are these
2: sharks?
4: They, they were totally Jaws' revenge. I mean, they were... <laughs> they were... Totally right oh my there. My gosh, <laughs> these were some
2: smart sharks. So here's a let never crash in the Pacific. You might get you're gonna get eaten by
0: a shark. But is that anywhere though? I mean, do sharks just kind of join up around a raft and like, hey guys, meal time?
3: Yeah, maybe there'd been enough planes that have gone down in that area. They did say that there were quite a few plane crashes and a lot of faulty planes that were put into service.
4: It's shark school.
3: <laughs> here's how you handle when you see a yellow thing in the water. This is what you do
4: yeah yeah word of mouth right
0: wow so they just kind of learned that this was a feeding ground this, this general area where like different ships would go down and planes would go down and that sort of thing sure okay man that's wild like because i mean just the fact that he's in the water I, man i gotta Audible, you got to read this book. Yeah,
4: audibletrial.com. <laughs> Absolutely, you need to. Slash I think you will be inspired, Steve.
0: Audibletrial.com slash geek out. I need to set up a new email address so I can get another free. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think oh, I, I
4: must have ticked off a lot of people because I couldn't get it listened to fast enough, yeah. and so I kept re upping my, um, my checkout. I think I checked that thing out six times
1: because
4: <laughs> I couldn't get it done, and uh, I'm sure I ticked some people off.
0: How's the now? How's the narration on it?
3: It was good. It's good. I, I, I listened to it, and I I didn't have a problem with the narration at all.
0: Okay.
4: Yeah. Unbroken. It's professional. Nope. I don't know what you mean.
0: Is this well? You know, because sometimes I've I've read I've had some books that I've listened to that the, that the the narration hasn't been that great. <laughs> it's,
4: no, it's the been, narration is fine. I agree with Brad.
0: Little, left a little bit to be desired. Now, this is by Laura Hillenbrand. Yes. yes. And she just decided I want to write a story about this guy, or is she related to him anyway?
3: I, no, I think she just. Oh, I don't really wanted, No, I think she just wanted to write the story.
0: All right, now, okay, so I've got to get the grown-up one, not the young adult adaptation. Well, oh and
4: just so you know, that it's not, it's not work-friendly.
0: I mean, look, I don't work in a place where I'm able to listen to stuff, so we're good Okay,
4: go. all right, good. I just wanted to, you know. Yeah.
0: I don't work in an office, Wendy. I've got to have my ears open at all times to be able to hear people shout at me, We need a green tomato! <laughs> <laughs> Fried mushrooms! Two blue plates, burger sliders, crab cakes.
4: Well, I'm just saying you don't want to have your little your little nieces or nephews or in the car whenever you. Oh, do they it. don't
0: understand bad words yet.
4: Okay, well, they might after this. This well, is the time they would learn. <laughs> then it's time to
0: it's time to uh, it's time to bring them up to speed. They Come need on, to hear babies, about we're gonna
4: we're gonna teach you a few things. Let That's Uncle right. Steve teach us and right.
1: stuff. That's right.
2: Wait, I okay. I have a totally unrelated story. So I was watching my two year old nephew, and I, he felt the need to tell me that. You can't see me, and I'm like, you know what? You've been watching too much wrestling. (gasps) Let me show you a thing or two. Let me show you a thing or two about wrestling, son.
0: (laughs) Did you Did you lay the smackdown on his Rudy Poo candy butt?
2: That's right. He got the people's elbow.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh man, I should have had this
1: queued up.
0: All right. Well, Wendy, thanks for <laughs> thanks for jumping in and and okay. calling in and talking some unbroken with us.
4: Should I call back later for the other one? Yeah, if you want to. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I don't want I don't want to wear out my, my welcome, but yeah. you
1: know, well, I got you a couple things to
4: say about that. All right. You never do that. You're my favorite child. you know. Woo-hoo! I'm the favorite. I'm the favorite. Okay. All
0: right. Well, okay. Nicole, thanks for ruining the rest of the call. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: later.
0: All right, She's the only Wendy. one I go to
2: visit. So, what do you think? That's expect? right. So, there you, there you go.
0: go. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Can't right. argue with that. Right. All right. Too many women on the show. <laughs> <What's>... <laughs> Rod knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. It's time to get back to where we outnumber them. Um, so, we'll take a couple more calls. If you want to call in, guys, about this, 912 386 4294. 912 386 4294 is the number and if you wanna if you wanna talk a little bit about it uh we'll be here to talk about the unbroken um now, still scrolling through this thing um just looking Mac is the one that went crazy yeah, when they first
3: yes. crashed, they had uh chocolate bars, which you know they weren't the Hershey bars exactly. even the guys yeah, yeah heavy cork. Bars and he ate them all. Okay. The first night and then
0: Rod, I believe we are welcoming your parents to the show.
3: Uh, that looks like their number. Yes.
0: Hello, Rod's parents.
1: Hi, Rod. Yeah, it's here. the old man. It's the old Hello. man. Yeah. <laughs>
6: yeah. So uh, a part of the book that I really liked was just how this kid was a delinquent. I mean, bad to the bone, bad, as a kid, the running saved him as he became a young adult. Kept him in school, got him in college, uh, you know, had him hanging around with different crowds and stuff like that. And how the running saved him that time. And then after the ordeal and everything, had a lot of problems in his life and everything, and when when he got the uh reintroduce to god or whatever you want to say he he did more good in his life way 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 more good in his life than he ever than he ever did bad i mean he worked with uh, homeless children he worked with uh, delinquent children he he took them on trips he he built his own uh summer camp where they they went and his influence turned a lot of lives around where without the running without the uh other things that happened in his life being such a famous person in a way everything it would have it would not worked that way i mean it would have he probably ended up in jail or dead and nobody would have benefited from his life whatsoever
0: where where was this guy from do you guys remember
3: uh, New York, California. Or originally.
0: California. But...
6: Yeah, but he grew up in California.
0: Okay. All right. And and so, and so from there he went on to the Olympics and, and got in. I guess he got into track and field when? As a teenager maybe
6: then? Yeah, high school. He was a state champ and, and everything. And at the time, uh, you know, you're talking 30s and stuff, track would have been these four. You know, boxing and track and field would have been more the – glamour sports i mean sure you win the state title in in illinois or california or whatever you'd be pretty well known but you'd be a heck of a lot more known if you were mr basketball of california or uh recruited by usc to be the running back or something like that would be a lot a lot more fame a lot more glory involved in that but at the time some of the other sports weren't as big as they are now, mm-hmm. you know baseball star would have been a bigger deal now the basketball and football stars is a bigger deal, right, right,
3: yeah, that's something we didn't haven't talked about yet is he he really was a little hellion when he was younger.
6: Didn't he a little about it, yeah, he was
3: in all kinds of trouble. They talked about the cops showing up at his his parents' house all the time. You know and he talked about stealing stuff all the time and
0: huh so but he
6: and, and he, what we get the parents were good parents, I mean. It wasn't like, you know, he didn't have the opportunities to be raised right or anything like that. It sounds like, you know, they were immigrants and stuff, but they were good parents. They were there for him and everything. And his older brother was really the the savior guy in the whole thing. You know, he hadn't been involved. Yet. It would have been really bad news.
0: Right, right. Uh, now, were you Mr. Rod's dad? Were you aware of this? Go,
6: oh, man! It won't offend me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: were you? Um, I'm seeing here in the chat. You were a track coach.
6: Yeah. Oh wow! Probably thirty, four or five years. Did you, did you? So did
0: you work with high
6: school kids? Junior high kids mainly. Oh, kids
0: bless your heart. School, but mainly junior high. Bless your heart, sir. You're you're one. You're one of the heroes. Were you aware of this man before reading this book? I mean, is this was this guy vaguely
6: okay? Vaguely, I mean, no, I hadn't read previous biographies by him or, sure. or him or anything like that. But I was vaguely aware of. Him.
0: I'm just, I didn't know if, if maybe because you know sometimes these people come home, they have their they have their 15 minutes or so and and get passed around to all the media outlets and then. And then they're kind of lost in time, they're kind of lost in history, and so I don't know how long this guy's reputation may have lasted, you know, outside of doing what he was doing you know in his area, yeah. all the good stuff he was yeah. doing. so um, yeah. you know, and this book obviously put it back on the, on the map for a lot of people.
6: yeah, it, it did, and it's just a, a good story. There's just so many heroes of World War II. you said the greatest generation, and I agree with you 100 percent. That, you know, you you could have a weekly movie, you know, if the Hallmark Channel wanted to have rather than a love story every Friday night, they could show a World War Two hero every Friday night if they wanted to or whatever, you know. Yeah, that There are just so many. Well, so many. You've got a
0: future uh, setting up programming for the Hallmark Channel uh cause yeah because if they hear that
6: the name i'll probably get a call and um, uh, if they my hear that table would be all screwed up for the rest of my life now if they hear get the cup games i'll be all right there you go that's right
0: i'm just telling you if they hear that they'll be like that's a genius <laughs> idea let's do it yeah. <laughs> history
6: channel will probably take it
0: yeah they i i think that is a fantastic idea by the way i might steal that from you mr rod's dad and and take it with me now. When you were, I guess you were coaching in the '90s, track and stuff. So, were you? Did you I have
6: coaching in the 870s.
0: Okay, all right. I'm just trying to make yeah. you as young as possible. Um, yeah, I know. Were you doing? Were you doing? Were you having to coach all? Because nowadays, I've got friends that are coaches at, at the high school and middle school around here that do the track thing, and they pretty much coach an event, you know, or two different events, you know, and and or did you have to do it all?
6: i to do it all. We we're a small school. Yeah. So I ended up doing it all. Okay. And uh, it's kind of funny. I'm more the, the runner type person. In fact, the sprinter, not the distance runner type person, long jumper type sprinter type person. But my most success state champions and things that I had were discus people and shot put people and stuff like pole <laughs> vaulters. I mean, the events that I wasn't real good at. I don't know why, but it just seems like over the years I had more success in those events than anything else. We're getting off the book and I'm sure people want to get back to the book <laughs> rather than my life. You know? yeah.
3: <laughs> no, this is par for the course. No, this, <laughs> this is
0: par for the course, Dad. I like to know who I'm talking yeah. to. So I'm that's just that's yeah. me. When you when I start seeing these kind of things I, I just like I like to know these kind of things. What uh one of the things we were talking about as as you called in was was Mac, the guy that kinda went nuts and ate all the rations and everything. And and one of the questions that's been posited is, um, do you feel sympathy for that guy? Or are you angry with him? Or or how do you feel about that guy and, and what he did um, in, in that situation? The fact that he kind of, while the other two were hanging on, he's the one that kind of lost it on him.
6: Well, uh, he just lost it early. Mm-hmm. Like, there was just a candy bar or something like that, and they were going to split it up to make it last over two days. And while they were sleeping, he ate of it. And after that he pretty well had to get on board with the others and, you know, we gotta catch a gull to eat, we gotta catch a fish to eat, you know, I mean, we gotta figure out how to uh catch the rain. So we decided, you know, they spent forty seven days on a raft. Yeah. You know. When it rained, you better catch a catch as much as you can, you know. And, right. And how the ingenious things they did. Uh you could see where right off the bat, they might've been very, very angry with him, but they probably didn't expect that. They either expected to be found in the next day or two or die. I mean, I think they were quick to forgive him. Uh, I don't, I don't, it was bad what he did, but it wasn't, it wasn't like he sold bushels of stuff to somebody or anything like that. I mean, they just had this little bit of stuff, and he ate more than he should one night when they were sleeping, story. right off the bat. Story of my right. life.
0: <laughs> story story of my life. Uh, well, he did get a
3: nice redemption at the end too. Uh, like the night or two before he passed away, when the sh- he fought the sharks off with the oar. You know, he kind of they they knew he was near the end then, and you know he kind of went all out to save Louie while Louie was patching the raft. Uh
6: huh.
0: How did he die? Yeah. Did he die of like the starvation, the dehydration, or? Did he sustain some other type of injury?
6: He was injured in the plane getting getting uh, shot down. Okay. More than the other two. Okay. He already was injured some.
2: Yeah, he had he a head dead. wound.
6: Yeah he he wasn't he wasn't as healthy as the other two started you know right from the get go.
0: Right. Okay. I've got to. I mean, this book is now officially the next thing I'll be listening to when we're done here. I I, I hate that I missed out on it, but because it, it just sounds. I'm
2: glad we have sold you upon
0: it. You have. You really have. You really have. Well, and when my elders come on and tell me that it's good stuff, to check out. <laughs> what, Mr. Rod's dad? I mean, like we've never had had parents of the show call in on on a book. What? What what you like so much about this book that you like you're willing to come on a show with total strangers and talk other than your son and talk about it?
6: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a great book. I'm a history buff. Uh, you people seem to want to shy away from biographies and stuff and stay more with fiction. And I'm I'm the other side of the coin. I I love the biography. Yeah, I love the true stories. Right. The. Uh, uh, I liked the book. Rod let us know that uh, there was going to be a podcast on it, and so we got on. There you go. <laughs> That's where we're at. I mean, it's, there, there was no big motivation like I was chomping at the bed all day at work today or anything like that. <laughs> no, no. He's like, I've, already, I've talked
3: to this guy recently already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> what so, Jumping at the bit? Listen, no one is, sir. No one's chomping at the bit to get on this
6: thing. So. No, that's interesting. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it. i just, uh, I know I'm not giving some of what you need to hear. No, right? like, no, no, no. Well, I mean, think people are probably getting pretty tired of hearing me. You know? I think no, it's, it's no.
0: Need something new. I uh, no. I listen. I enjoy. I, anytime we get someone new calling in, I'm like, let me find out all about you. And and we'll go from there. You said you're a history yeah. buff. Is do you have like a favorite period of history? Like, is it is it the World War II or is it a different period of history? I like
6: you? the World War II. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, my wife and I, our dads fought in World War II. My dad was in the Pacific. Her, her dad was uh, in in Europe. Wow. And uh, you know, another thing gets off of this book, but but. It is really tied in with the book, the, the bomb. Mm-hmm. If you talk to anybody that served in the Pacific over years and years and years, well, I've talked to these veterans, anybody that was in the Pacific, nobody disagrees with that decision. Hmm. They, they said it would have been worse than D-Day. Nicole was talking about how the Japanese would not give up and would not give up, and we knew they weren't going to give up. It would have been worse than D-Day to land on Japan. Wow. And these guys said, "Hey, they." Some of them already said, "If the fan had dropped the bomb, I wouldn't be around today to tell you about it." You know, yeah. I wouldn't be around to voice my opinion on. It. So we still debate whether that was the right thing or the wrong thing. But you talk to the guys that were there, and they say it's the right thing. Yeah.
0: Well, it's and it, it couldn't have been an easy decision, though. Even at the time, yeah.
6: yeah no, nah, so. Truman had it was tough. Yeah, and a lot of. A lot of negative said about Truman, but uh, well, my dad was a history teacher, and he was a big, big Truman fan. Okay, <laughs> he, he, he always spoke very highly of Truman.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, you talk about the uh, the Japanese didn't want to give up. There was, you know, they had all those islands, and I think it was in the '70s where they found a Japanese soldier that had been living on that island. I think it was the early '70s, and they had to get they had to find his old general to convince him that the war was over and that he could come home. Because he didn't yeah. want to quit, and you know they celebrated him as a hero for serving on that island for thirty years almost. Mm-hmm. But that was just the mentality, is yeah. It's crazy.
0: Is yeah. that now? Is that a true story or? Yeah. Okay, I I knew. I mean, I've heard that story. I thought it was just kind of apocryphal. I didn't realize it was a true story.
3: No, no pretty sure. I'm yeah. gonna. I'm good. I've googled you, it right you, now. You're Googling so, it already?
0: Yeah, I found it
3: here. I found the article. And if it wow. is not a true story, I'm going to I'm gonna feel dumb. No, know? it's
0: true. Hiro Inoda. Yes. He, he was a Japanese c- citizen that originally worked at a Chinese trading company. He was called to join the Japanese Army when he was 20. He was on Lubang Island, the Philippines. And his orders were, you're absolutely forbidden to die by your own hand. It may take three years. It may take five. But whatever happens, we'll come back for you. Until then, so long as you have one soldier, you are to continue to lead him. You may live on coconuts. If that's the case, live on coconuts. Under no circumstances are you to give up your life voluntarily voluntarily. And so he was there, and I guess he was the last survivor. And um man. Yeah. That's crazy. So yeah, that's dedication to your cause.
3: Yeah. I mean, so you, you talked about it, Dad. I know you've told me that before, too, with the people that served over there. They absolutely feel that it was the right decision.
6: Yep. They they, they just say, well, there's one guy who passed away now, but I used to work for him uh, in the summer some, and he said he was training to do the, he was on part of the landing crew that was going to be some of the first ones in, uh, and he says, I wouldn't be here right now. You know, there's no way I would have lived through that first landing no.
0: well now as 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 a history buff as someone who's into World War two and you know particularly interested in that, are there any other biographies or uh anything that you would suggest, hey, watch this, read this to to really get a feel for something else from this time period
6: um, I thought when they talked about the uh the code, uh, the Indian code. People, mm-hmm. um, I can't think of the name of the,
0: the wind.
3: Right Navajo. Now uh, the Navajo.
6: Yeah, the Navajos. But they came out of the book, and then they came out of the movie about it.
0: The Wind Talkers.
6: Yeah, Wind Talkers. I don't think the movie did a good good deal with that. Right. I think they could have explained that to people better, and just how valuable the Navajo were to. Uh, our success in the war. So that's how a that's a book. Or... That code was the one thing they did make a point to, I don't know if many people caught it and stuff. If you were a Marine in the Philippines and you were going to get taken over, you were to kill your Navajo Indian. You were to kill your code man. That it was that valuable. Hmm. Don't let him get taken. Wow.
0: So so that's a book you'd recommend.
6: If you're a history person, okay, yeah, yeah, on World War Two, okay, That
0: yeah. I'll I'll take that recommendation. I didn't see the movie, but I knew I knew kind of what it was about, and that is intriguing. That you know they dipped into this Native American language to to be how we kept it how we kept communication secret. That's yeah, that's that's and American they, ingenuity is what that is, ladies and gentlemen,
6: and and it was just unbreakable. I mean, you know, yeah. they just couldn't break that code. Yeah. We broke theirs later on. You know, we had their codes and stuff. That's basically how we won Midway. Is we knew they were coming. And, uh, you know, There's we a lot. The code.
3: Yeah, and they, they, well, I liked uh, the Enigma Code. The mm-hmm. uh, uh, What was the name of that movie? It was just out with uh, the internet darling, Donald Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Imitation I, I Game. It,
6: but, the Imitation Game. We, we broke... We got
1: that
0: broken. That was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, you just well well let me ask you this then, because it's one of the things we talked about at the top of the show. But it seems like a lot of the World War II literature and, and, and stories we have all focus on the European side of the war, with with not a lot of attention paid to the Pacific side of the war. Um, why do you think that's the case? I mean, it's like we have the Pearl Harbor, and then we focus in on everything that went on in Europe and then, Oh, and we dropped a bomb in Japan. Why is there not more attention paid to what went on in the Pacific? Do you think in literature, um,
6: land war versus an air war, Mm uh, we had to win in Europe. Uh, Great Britain couldn't fall. If Great Britain fell, it, it, you know, it'd be a whole different, different deal. Um, we, and so we just basically tried to hold our own in the Pacific mm-hmm. for a long time, and then then we got to devote the resources to it and stuff. And I don't know why, um, why not? But it's more, you know, the movies and all that were easier to uh, have the camaraderie and stuff of foot soldiers than it is the okay the airplane pilot moves right. goes out and flies and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. You, you can't build around that as much.
0: You yeah, know? that's a good point. That's a good point. But wasn't it, wasn't it, uh, it was the Pacific, MacArthur was involved in the Pacific, right? That's, yep. He did the I will return and everything.
6: Yep. Okay. And he did return. To the Philippines, in the Philippines. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. And uh, I've got my history. There's more interaction, you know, obviously the, the uh, French underground makes for a lot of good stories and stuff. And I'm, there was Filipino underground and, and stuff, but it's it's not the same, you know, it's, it, as before and stuff. The, now, who is Steve, this? I'm going
0: to – go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just – I'm looking at this thing. Who is this Jasper Maskelyne guy? Is this the movie you were talking about, Rod?
3: No, I don't. I, I wrote it down. I, I – Think that it's a fiction book. Okay, that occurs. Doc recommended it. I have All not right. heard of it. All right.
0: Well, Rod's dad, thank you so much for calling in, sir. It's been it's been great, and you're welcome back anytime.
6: I probably will be back. I've enjoyed it. All right. Try uh, get my wife to do a little talk. She's a little more intelligent than I am, and it'll sound a little better when she <laughs> she talks. Okay. All right, <laughs> Just, man. intelligent. All right.
0: Well, go Cubs. No. no. Okay. All right, I've enjoyed it. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. We'll talk to you soon.
3: Thanks, Dad. Uh, bye,
0: bye. man, I like your dad, Rod. Most people do. Yeah, good guy. I wanted, to, I just wanted to like, just talk to him the rest of the night. and Be like, tell me more. Yeah, tell well, me more I think you'll like two. me and my
3: mom too when she reads the next one, maybe. All right. She was shy tonight. I guess I don't know.
0: It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, so anything else about about Unbroken, guys? Because we've been going for a little bit on it.
3: No, I mean I think. I, we've covered most of it, it I'm, I'm glad you're going to give it a try because it really is an amazing story
0: you had me at he Shark was, punching. Yeah, he was being shot at while fighting sharks yeah.
3: <laughs> i mean it's just one of those you can't believe it when you read it like yeah
0: it's that's amazing that is just uh that is amazing um well, listen, guys, our review of Unbroken was, of course, brought to you by the Amazon links that you can click on at Geek Out Online and GeekOutPodcast.com. Head over those, to those sites, click on the Amazon links, then do all your Amazon shopping to support the Goldiverse, and we greatly appreciate it. Now, I want to get into uh eleven twenty two sixty three. Nicole, you did not like this book?
2: I didn't say that. I read the book last year. It's... <laughs> I was just on an unbroken war path. That's all. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were going to get unbroken out there, regardless. Exactly. Okay. All right.
2: <laughs> Even though it is an 800 page book, and I hopefully, you know, it's kind of hard to read that. in um well, I guess we didn't give people a whole month, but.
0: <laughs> well, I'm telling. But, um, I'm telling you straight up. I, when this book started, I was into it. Of course, I listened to them all, but. I missed I had to go back and catch up on podcasts because I was like forget everything else this book has my attention. And and I was completely completely into it uh, just listening to it. Rod what what did you think? Have you did you get finished? <laughs> with it? I I did finish it.
3: I I am not a huge Stephen King fan. I know I'm okay. going to take flack for that. No, but, not from you. You know, I I just got a little burned out on him. Yeah. So when this book got picked I was like, "Oh, great, another Stephen King book." And I'm like, "You, I got hooked into it." I was like, I was really into this book. It was the characters, right? Yeah, it was. It was different than what he usually writes. You know, right. I think the thing that bugs me is like Stephen King is I, he is a good author. I just get tired of the horror, and sometimes you can pick out which character is going to die. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's notorious for picking out a character, developing them, and then they're going to die. <laughs> so I was kind of, I kind of figured out the ending, but. I, I I knew that they weren't going to have a happily really? ever after. Well, I knew they weren't going to have a happily ever after. I knew that well, was... Well, yeah, I,
2: but I mean, I, can, I would never think that.
3: I did not. I thought it's
2: though a future, I, that never crossed my mind when I was reading no, a book.
3: Like, that no, I never...
2: Say, I'm like...
3: When I say I figured out, I, I figured out that they weren't going to be together long term. I was like, there's just no way. She's either not going to be able to travel into present day or she's going to die. And I assumed that she was going to die. And then it was... I was. I thought that you know something was going to happen, and he was going to decide that for the best. For the best of it, either he decided, or the decision was taken out of his hands. That he would not go back mm-hmm. to meet
1: her.
0: Yeah, it, I thought I did not see her death coming. I thought it would be a thing where she would tell him she's not going back, or that he would just stick around in the past. But. You know, getting to that point, I was like, but then I'll be disappointed because I won't see how it actually changes things. Or maybe there'll be some kind of epilogue or or what or what have you that tells you what I did not foresee was how bad things went. Um, Right. Oh, man. I
2: didn't see that. And I've been reading Stephen King since... I shouldn't have been reading
0: Stephen King. Well, I've only ever read one other book by Stephen King, and it was his book on writing called On Writing. Writing.
2: I've read that book.
0: Yeah, and I thought it was just a really well-done instructional book about writing. Not instructional, but just kind of his take on what it means to, you know, and he he even says you can't make a bad writer. You said you might be able to make a bad writer. uh, You can make a bad writer, how was it? Not good, but acceptable and you know you and you might be able to make a good writer great but you can't make a great writer you know it, it, that's something you're kind of with and he and he starts to say well but here's the toolbox you want to use and he unpacks and it's just a great great little book about writing Um this this book though I, I really I tell you I really enjoyed the first the first act the most of his stuff in dairy um Right, going yeah, going to save going to save uh, Harry and his family and Derry, Harry and Derry. The mission,
2: the shout out to it. I caught that.
0: Yeah, yep. the clown stuff. Yeah. Yep. Well, no,
3: the uh, Bevy from the Levy and uh, Richie from mm-hmm. from the Ditchy. Yeah, yep. they, those are two of the main characters in it.
2: Uh-huh. And they talked about George's death, like how a little boy just has arm ripped off. I'm like, hey, I remember that. Shouldn't have read it when I read it, but I did.
0: Well, they but they even talked about a clown. It was a clown doing it. Yeah. So, um, but I just, I really like that because you got into the person of, uh, Epping, Jake Epping slash George Ambrose. Um, you really kind of got into his mindset about everything. And, you, and that's when you started to really get to know this guy. Um, after everything kind of goes the way it does and he goes back to the future, Marty, um, and And then he's deciding whether or not to go back and and stop Kennedy's assassination and he finds out what happened to Harry and all this stuff that second act of him going back and all of the stuff that goes on from the time he kills Harry's father in the graveyard until honestly eleven twenty two sixty three can be a bit it's a bit tedious throughout. It it gets a little too long. I feel I felt like it would have been okay to skip over some time. You know. And the, just,
3: the spying on Oswald. Yeah. Forever, the, the, forever.
0: Yeah, the spying on Oswald. The uh even even the relationship with Sadie kind of drug on a bit and then they broke up, but they still loved each other and you know, and I appreciate it. And I'll tell you, I was emotionally moved in in the reading of this book. I was I was very emotionally moved by by some things that went on in this book particularly um her death and there was another moment where um maybe it was even when they broke up or like when they were getting ready to break up something but there was there were moments where I was like generally and and then the end I was really choked up at like it it was it was really really good the theater bit what was the theater bit that might be the part that she's talking about
3: yeah, the ending of the book was really good, yeah I, I, I was surprised by that I didn't expect that you know where he goes and meets her as an old woman and dances with her. I was like that's a good ending
0: yes right <laughs> of mice and men, the stuff with the kids, thank you jesse when when they when, when they do the mice and men, but also when they do the um, the variety show to raise money for the little girl whose face got messed up in the in the wrecks. You know, uh, that was just really like he he really captured the moment of a small community coming together for for to help someone else. And and it was really, to me, um, moving. I really appreciated those beats and those moments. But there was some other stuff that was just like a a good edit here or there. A good stroke of the edit pen could have really worked out, I think, a little bit better for the situation. So now here's my question as a time travel piece. What'd you guys think of the rules of the time travel that was set up here?
2: Very different.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree.
2: Going back, you know, just going back to the same date and time every time. And then if you like how, if you did do something to change the present, that if you went back again, that reset everything that you did. So it's very different, and how that if if you're trying to p- change a past event, that if it really doesn't, if history, if it does not need want to be, there were obstacles thrown. Mm-hmm. Like this is not supposed to be changed. You need to stop. But Jake slash George, he was on a mission. He did not care.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I did like the uh, the time travel. I like the fact that like you pointed out Nicole you went to the same place same time and I also liked the uh, two minutes you're always gone only two minutes mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I thought I that was that was a neat concept you know that no matter how it's always a set you know it's not like one of those a lot of shows kind of do a oh I was back there for five years oh it was three weeks and then the next time oh, I was back there for a year and oh you're only gone for three days you know it was it was an actual set this is the only amount of time that that uh, transpires in present day. You know, it's not a random time thing like Narnia. Somebody just pointed out.
0: Right. Right. It, to me, on one hand, I, I thought, well, five years coming out five years before you do this is lame because now we've got to spend five years and you're going to age five years. I mean, we saw it happen with Al at the beginning, you know, he's gone for two minutes and the next day he's dying. You know, he's in the final stages of dying with cancer. Um, <clears throat> but in but but had it been much less than 5 years the idea of if he had failed and made it back you know it really does beg the question am i going to try to go back and do this again
3: yeah i think it makes the stakes much higher
0: yeah agreed completely agreed um so
3: and it's also, it makes it so, you know, if if you only had to go back there for six months, well, then it's like, well, I'll go ahead and try and see what happens. If not, I'll go back and do it again, you know. Right, yeah. It's kind of just, you better get it right, and you better hope you like the outcome. And in this case, he didn't.
0: Well, and that's the thing. Um, the outcome. It's it's interesting. We should have kept your dad on to start talking a little bit about Kennedy with us. Um, John F. Kennedy, I, and this is not to get political, this is to get historical, John F Kennedy does have of all the the presidents uh especially of all the presidents who were assa- who've been assassinated he has this aura about him where we do tend to think that had he not been assassinated we may live in a better world um and and I you know and and this is interesting to me because number 1 it's the first time that's that a high profile that i know of that a high profile uh author has done the go back in time and kill hitler only this is go back in time and save kennedy you know mm-hmm. and actually did it like actually let the character do the thing and and i don't like i'm not well versed enough in history to know but the the fallout, the results of of saving Kennedy. Do you guys really think it would have got that bad? I mean, do you think Vietnam would have still continued? Do you think, um, do you think that George Wallace of all people could have been elected president?
3: At this point, I'm unsure about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: right.
3: Yeah, I guess so. I guess
0: I guess maybe if I'd have read this back when it originally came out, I might be questioning even more. But given the political state of today in our country, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, maybe. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Oh, I think you know. I I am not as big political history guy. You know, Mm -hmm. like I enjoy the history of World War II, and but I, I don't get into the politics of the history as much. But in the epilogue, it sounded like he interviewed and talked to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And that this wasn't that far-fetched, you know, that these are things that could have happened, you know, that weren't a big stretch. So maybe. I mean, it's one of those we'll never know. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: But I I do think Vietnam probably still would have happened. I think, you know, JFK, even if you think he was the great president that most people do, he's still only the president. You know, there's still Congress and he's not all powerful.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. But he has this aura, I mean, but he did have this aura about him and he has it now, you know, that, that he was this bastion of hope and, and everything else for, for the country at the time that the country so desperately needed. Um, we got to talk about the South a little bit, guys, um, because he even Stephen King in his afterward even acknowledges some people thought he might be a little unfair on the South. I did not, but it is very uncomfortable as someone who lives, who who's lived in the South most of my life to, to read some of those things and to see, just to see how commonplace extreme racism was, you know, then and, uh, Nicole, I'm just going to ask you, as someone who's had to deal with racism in your life, most likely, how did how do you respond to reading elements in the book like that?
2: I feel... Uh, do we really want to get into this? Yeah, I mean... I mean uh, it's... To me, yeah, it probably was that bad mm-hmm. because.
0: Oh no! I mean, I I don't I don't think he was unfair at all.
2: Yeah, I don't think he was at all because even at being, I was born in eighty. The way it, I mean, sometimes even around here, still, I'm like, wait, did you just? It's 2016. Right. Did you really just say that <laughs> to me? Oh, oh, okay. We're not past this, people. We're really not. <laughs> Cause I just even as an adult I've had some incidents and I'm like, yeah, it's 2016 and this is still going on. People just don't, you know. Um, people want to say it's not, but it is. Mm-hmm. It is.
1: Right.
0: But so, so yeah, so, I,
2: he was. I don't think he was unfair at all. Right.
0: But now, what is your? But what is your personal reaction when reading those things? I mean, did your does your blood boil? Do you just say, well, it is what it was, or?
2: Uh, it is what it
0: was yeah. uh, like it is what it was mm-hmm. yeah it 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 was i mean like because it it really is the situation where as he's traveling down and he's headed south you know it's like oh well, this is a nice little drive he's really enjoying himself and then he hits that place in north carolina and it's just like oh yeah it's right. that it's that time you know and so I'm going to go hide in my white shame for a little while while I read the Stephen King book, <laughs> mm. um, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and and then when he gets out to Dallas, you know, uh, apparently Dallas was just a crap hole in, in the sixties, pretty much, which is something Not I sure. didn't realize. Cause if you talk to, listen, guys, don't mess with Texas. And so I want all the Texans to get off my back right now. But, um, but you know, you you talk to Texans, and you can't say anything bad about anywhere in their state. So,
3: careful. Yeah, yeah. She's be. she's gonna hear and call in.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it's just it's it's an interesting take on the time and and a look at that time period to me because I don't feel like he, I, I don't feel like he swung unfairly, but I also feel like he maybe pulled a few punches. You know, to not kind of stop and have that discussion a little bit more, which, you know, for the purpose of the story, I guess that wasn't the whole thing. But um, but it, it is. I mean, there were moments that made me pure uncomfortable as someone who's grown up in the South. And I'm like, guys, this isn't how I feel. This isn't me. This, is, <laughs> You know, yeah. So, um, Let's talk about Kennedy's assassination, guys, real quick, because I want to I want to pick your brains. King goes with it 's the lone gunman it 's Lee Harvey Oswald. Was it a lone gunman rod
3: I believe so. I think uh, what is it occam 's razor simplest solution I just don 't feel like you know when you start looking into it and what it would have taken to have had two gunmen and just doesn 't seem feasible to me
1: mm-hmm.
3: yeah i don 't think that 's something that you can cover up even after this many years
0: Nicole, what do you think
2: I agree. It had to be. It is one. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been two. I just feel it. That's always okay. Secret. I'm kind of a conspiracy theorist, but you know. Anyways, it is. It couldn't have been two guys. It couldn't have been. It was. It was. He was on his own when he did it. Now it was interesting to me, with King's point of view, that uh, the one guy was egging him on to do it, which that might. I, I could see that as a possibility. You know, somebody's like, We're gonna find a pat this is the guy, he's gonna do it on but we need to give him we need to egg him on a little bit. Give him a re you know, to do this. That was an interesting what, that I found that interesting when I when uh, King wrote it that way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just uh I mean, like I've I this is one of those things that I've dug into just a little like I mean just scratched the surface of. And it just seems to me that there's still a lot of intentionally redacted and intentionally sealed documents to prevent some truth from being there. Um, You know, whether it be that Oswald was alone or that he was paid off to do it by someone else. I don't know that I buy into the mob hit stuff. But giving his his ties to communism and everything it wouldn't surprise me if he had you know if he had been kind of pushed into it by some outside forces
3: Sorry. i did i i with you on that, I think it is interesting you know that he talked about basically he wasn't smart enough to pull it off on his own he was kind of the horse led to water
0: right right right
3: but again i just i just don't see it being anything other than what we've been told all along. Mm-hmm. What'd I'm not you... a conspiracy theorist. Yeah,
0: <laughs> did uh, had had Jake kind of gone into uh, almost a multiple personality disorder kind of thing, or or some such by the end of this thing, Nicole?
3: Is Nicole with us?
0: No, I don't know. I'm
2: you, here, was... I'm thinking about the question. Thing. Oh,
3: okay. Sorry, it was awful. Quiet.
0: I mean, Rod...
2: Well, it's been a year since I read the book.
0: I'm okay. To well, I mean, because to me, I really because he started. Toward the end, he really did start referring to himself as Jake and as George. And he referred to them as two different parts of himself, almost like a Batman Bruce Wayne kind of thing, Rod. Yeah.
3: He, uh I could see the multiple personality, you know, just, not multiple personality, but just identity crisis. Yeah, that he was yeah. Not sure who he was and who he was supposed right. to be.
2: He was living, he basically started living another life after when when he started doing this, a whole different person. He made his own story up. He, and, you know, and of course he used his previous, his knowledge of the past, but he kind he like, and like he was, he just got divorced, right? So I think that he probably used that with his relationship with
0: Sadie. So.
3: Yeah, I think at one point he called her his ex-wife's name, Christine. Was that right?
0: Yeah. yeah when he was, right. when he was laid up in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Been on, on painkillers, which yeah. make you a little loopy. All beaten down by the mob and everything. Yeah, so there was your mob connection, ladies and gentlemen, in uh, in this in this book. Uh, I just I thought it was interesting that he really did. By the end, he was differentiating George Epping from, I mean uh, J Epping from George Ambrose. And because he even says at one point toward the end, you know, this is something George would do or this is what Jake would do, that kind of thing. Uh,
3: I want to switch gears on you real quick before I lose my train of thought. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Jake, do a little Internet research, bud. (laughs) You know, if you're going to go back in time and you're going to have five years and you're going to, okay, I'm going to save this one woman from getting paralyzed and I'm going to save this other guy and his family. Wouldn't you be like, you know, I've got five years to kill. Is there any other tragedies in the area or family members, something here that I can also help prevent? It just seems like – and he didn't really take the time to do a whole lot of research. Al tells it to him, and then the next day but he's he like – he
2: didn't – like Wendy just said, he didn't have the time because Al, commi- Al decided to commit suicide, so – Yeah, I but mean, I mean,
3: he didn't even try. It's the internet. 2012, he, he had broadband. He could have at least gone home, looked some stuff up, but he didn't even make an effort.
0: Yeah. yeah, but he, you know, but he had Al's notebook, which was, you know, an eyewitness kind of thing where where Al was, right. Al was, you know, doing it. But also, the past is obdurate, and right. and you know, and and look how hard of a time he had saving Harry's family, and how hard of a time he didn't really have a hard time saving the the girl from getting shot by the hunter. You know, he, he kind
2: of did that tree was that tree was a little obdurate.
0: Well, no, Al did. I'm talking about Jake, though, when he went because he went a, he went a different route. He paid the man to play cribbage with him, and you know, and that was a sweet scene because his wife comes out in the end and she says, "What'd you save him from today?" You know, and um, and and so that was a sweet little moment. But but and dude, when he goes to, I, I'm sorry, I mean, from getting hit, beat up by the mob. To everything they go through just to get to the book depository in Dallas, can you imagine that being your life for five years? You know, trying to quantum leap everybody's lives, and <laughs> you know, and and just and, and and getting sick all the time, having migraines, whatever the case may be. Um, car
3: that won't start.
0: Car, yeah, car that won't start. Car with tires blown out. All kinds of stuff.
3: The cha chas.
0: Yeah, <laughs> having to walk around with some uh, what? What not milk of magnesia? What did he? Kaopectate. Kaopectate. Yeah, He's got, that back. I got the economy size Kaopectate just in case. Oh, didn't he buy <laughs> doll <adult> diapers too? <laughs> yes. Yes, <Yeah>. he did. <laughs> I was gonna say I thought he did. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that he was almost scalped. Um. Yeah. This dude. I mean, like, I'm sorry. I would have been like, yeah, I'm just gonna sit around maybe and bet, but. I mean, this this then begs the question, you know, because you've got to get into the whole yellow card man, green card man stuff. Um, I want to find out how those people are chosen.
1: Yeah,
3: that was almost like an adjustment bureau type thing. Yeah, like who are these people?
0: I was thinking of the monitors from the DC universe. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is where it got a little Stephen Kingish more than anything to me, because those were the most outside of the time bubble. Um, those were the most supernatural elements of this thing. Everything else was just kind of like this the past being a force this this moment in time that had happened being a force that was doing everything it could to stop the anomaly, almost like uh like uh like antibodies in the bloodstream kind of thing you know here's something that doesn 't belong, and we 've got to do the past is doing everything it can to keep from you know, the anomalies taken over. Uh, but when he finally had his talk with the guy at the end, the green card man or the oaken card man, as the thing changed colors, um, you know, you find out that these guys are basically just there to try to stop these things from going nuts and that what had caused the yellow card man to get drunk was all the times that Al had gone back just to buy beef.
3: Yeah, that was funny.
0: Because it's because they were literally creating different realities, apparently.
3: Yeah, and at some point it's like, hey, why don't you uh, physically stop him? Throw a haymaker. <laughs> he's
1: too busy
2: being drunk because the realities are driving him crazy.
3: Yeah, it's like, hey, here comes that guy through the tunnel again. I think I'm going to trip him this time. Hit him with a cane.
0: Should but, um, should Jake have gone on back, when he went back in time, should he have gone back to Sadie and just and just forgot JFK.
3: You mean when he went back the second time? Yeah, when he went back. Well, not the second time, but the last but yeah, time. Yeah, the
0: last time, yeah.
3: I, I don't think he should have, and I think that was because of uh, the r- yellow, green, oak card man kind of telling him, you know, like, you don't understand what you're doing. Right. And then him realizing that this wasn't his time, it wasn't his place. And that he was messing with forces beyond his control,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and killing people, millions of people, with, since the earthquake started to be a consequence of what he was doing.
0: Yeah, now that too was kind of the supernatural thing that reality seemed to be unraveling because of all the earthquakes and everything, right? Right. Yeah. Am I? I mean, that's how yeah. I was. That's how I was reading that. Is that there was no reason. For the earthquakes outside of ra- reality was beginning, because that moment in time was so huge. Right. That it began to unravel reality. Now, are you guys, Nicole, you're a, you like the Doctor Who, right? Yes. I've got you down like that. Rod, are you a Whovian? Do you do the Doctor I, Who?
3: I watch some episodes from time to time. Yeah. Uh, I'm caught in Daredevil right now.
0: I understand. I, let me tell you something depending on how late we are i'm going to be turning around and probably doing another geek out loud because i got a lot to catch up on to talk about um the uh the doctor who talks about fixed points in time right and to me and they do that as a storytelling device so that you don't have doctor who going back to kill hitler or stop hitler you know there are some things that are just fixed points in time um, and that 's how i and Al refers to them as watershed moments. I feel like if we were if this were Doctor who universe uh in the midst of all the wibbly wobbly timey wimey, that kennedy 's assassination is a fixed point in time right that you can't that you can 't move away from that and and that 's why when those earthquakes start happening i 'm like oh yeah he 's messed up reality he's
3: and reality, reality is ticked
0: yeah well it 's just reality 's falling apart because it can 't it, everything, every step from that point forward, it was such a it was such a giant change. Like it's beyond the butterfly effect. He just took a wrecking ball. It's the wrecking ball effect, not the. And I don't mean the Miley Cyrus wrecking ball. Hello, um, I'm I'm talking about just took a wrecking ball to time and space. So, um, I I mean like I, and and I thought that was really well handled by Stephen King because the idea was. At some point, I started rooting for him to win, to to get Lee Harvey Oswald, to stop him, to do whatever it took to stop him, and to save President Kennedy. What I did not expect was just how violently, as we've already said, Nicole and I have already said, just how violently and how messed up things would be if he succeeded. I was looking forward to a utopia you know, and they all lived happily ever after, and Sadie, and he gets back to the future, and Sadie's been cloned and is waiting on him, and all this fun stuff.
3: <laughs> oh, I knew there was no happy ending. Stephen King does not do happy endings. Right,
0: right. Well, I was, you know, just maybe once. Maybe just once. I'm trying
3: to think. Somebody help me out. Has there ever been a happy ending in a Stephen King book? Like an honest happy ending? Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of books to think about.
0: Man, there, there are. On writing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, had Jesse. <laughs> Thank you, Jess. Um, you said Jesse sent in an email, Rod. Have you got that where you can read it? I uh, forwarded them both to you. Okay. Do I, you want me to pull it up? I have not been over here at the uh, thing. Here we go. Uh, Dear Steve, Rod, Nicole, here are my thoughts on eleven twenty two sixty three. I listened to the audio book a few days ago, and it took me a while to get my thoughts together. This is the first Stephen King fiction book I've read. I've read on writing and I have to say that King is really good at getting at my emotions. I was on the edge of my seat for the entire scene where Jake Jake confronts Frank Dunning the first time. I also choked up a bit during the Of Mice and Men play. Those two scenes were probably the highlight of the book for me. They were well-written and emotional and exciting. I also liked the beginning. Jake's time as a school teacher was interesting, especially when he talked about the creative writing of his class, especially because I'm taking a creative writing course and can relate to reading bad words and as being... Uh, bad works, rather, and as being the writer of bad works. I also liked how the paper's tied back around to the rest of the plot. The rest of the book was good overall, but I had quibbles. Minorly, I felt Jake was too much of a Gary Sue, or whatever an author, insert character is. He's a school teacher. He's the same as King. He has a dialogue expressing his ideas on banned books for no other reason than let King have a chance to talk about it. even touches on religion and politics, I think, reflecting King's own views. I don't necessarily disagree with King's thought, thoughts. It was just annoying that he was so obviously an insert of the author who spoke about the thing, sometimes solely allow, to allow the author to talk about it. Another thing that bugged me was the fact that Jake kept teasing the future. For example, he would say something like, I didn't know then, but other troubles would get in my way or something else that teased the future without totally spoiling. This is a personal thing, but I don't like this writing style. It would be like Darth Vader entering Leia's ship in narration, saying Vader didn't know then, but his daughter was also on that ship. The book doesn't do anything quite to that extent, but this kind of storytelling just feels cheap to me. A larger issue is Sadie's character. Her initial introduction is pretty shallow, sexy, but tries to hide it. Though she's fleshed out further as the story goes on, still she felt a bit like an idealized female character, though I'm quite tentative and that assertion is I may be in the wrong attempting to critique King. The biggest crime of this book, though, is that it's just too long. This probably could have been four to 600 pages. Instead, it's around 800. Did we need all that? Maybe, but probably not. Overall, I like the book. Listened to it over spring break, but I had enough issues with it to keep it, to keep from really enjoying it. Still, it encouraged me to read more King in the future. Thanks for all the great work you do and can't wait to listen to the podcast. And that is from our friend Jesse Rice.
3: Well, I I will say one thing i I have a different stance on that than he does as far as the author expressing themselves point right. of views, political religious, anything like that. I always feel like you know if the author part of the reason you become an author, a movie maker, or any kind of artist is to share your works and ideas mm-hmm. and so i don't really have a problem when an author inserts you know if it 's just a little bit like it was in this one it's it doesn't really bother me at all now, Victor Hugo talking about the French Revolution and Les Mis that went 100 pages was a little much. But I think, I, I, like I said, when the author takes the time to create the work, part of the, what they're doing is trying to express themselves. And, and by expressing themselves, I think that's when their religious and political views come into it. Oh, I, I disagree, Jesse. I think it was... I'm talking about the diatribe after the Battle of Waterloo. The, uh,
0: and the, he's responding to Jesse's comment that she says mm-hmm. Victor Hugo was at least clever about it. Um. Here's the thing If you're an author If you're writing It's hard It's going to be hard Not to get your views in I didn't really see I didn't realize I didn't think about Jake Being a, a an an insert for Stephen King You know um, no, he's,
3: Well he's actually inserted himself Completely into a book
0: Right How?
3: Uh, the Gunslinger series okay. He The characters come to Earth And meet Stephen King
0: Oh nice That's fun
3: it was weird.
0: Yeah.
2: It, was,
3: it was right after the... Uh,
2: it, it, it was... Right after really, he got run over.
3: Yeah,
0: go ahead.
2: Yeah, he's not really fun because he kind of got ran over. You know...
3: They ran over? He
2: put, it, he put his real life accident in there. Okay. But with the driver... I don't know if he used the driver's real name or not. I can't oh, remember. Oh, yeah,
3: he did. He, u- and he, he did? Made the okay. Guy, he used the driver's real name and he made the guy look like a mouth-breathing fool. Okay. You know, he, yeah, he he wrote them basically barely literate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
3: I mean, he, and like I said, they, he wrote himself. They met the author. I can't remember what they called him in the book, but it was Stephen King. Well, now, so this is a minor insertion right. by his standards.
0: Well, here is what I am saying: is is I I never read the characters being that, but I can see where Jesse would see that because when she started bringing up, so I am like, yeah, I guess so. But any he, author is going to be writing from his or her viewpoint and if you do that and if you and if you're and if you're taking someone who's from uh 2011 i believe is where jake was from the year the year of jake um and and inserting them 50 years into the past they're gonna have different viewpoints and different ideas about things that are being said and done at the time and and, and so you're gonna have things slip out as far as your reaction to, uh, you know, the whole um, Holden Caulfield thing that kept getting brung up was was interesting. And and it's you know, it, it is what it is for him to do that. But I don't. It didn't bother me so much.
3: No, no, that's what I was trying to say. It doesn't. I think you write what you're familiar with.
0: No. I
3: mean, I'm I'm not gonna write the story about. A Japanese American living in California in in the forties. I mean it's just right. <laughs> something I'm not gonna be able to get right. my head into at all.
0: Well, I yeah, I and so but I do agree with the book being too long. I, I think that there I think there could have been some good edits. Oh absolutely. Go on. Sorry. Um what I
3: lost my train of thought, Steve. <laughs> Jump in.
0: Oh, I'm sorry.
3: Um, Nicole, do you have any thoughts that you want to jump in and save me from blundering because I've lost myself there?
0: Well, you derailed me in a in scats- yes. in a, chi- in a
3: Well, I thought you'd be used to that with with Daniel being Scup- around.
0: Yeah, well, I haven't heard from Daniel tonight. I'm kind of, my feelings are kind of hurt 912-386-4294 is the number to call in if you want to talk about eleven twenty two sixty three. 63 Be prepared to give your thoughts on the Kennedy assassination and, um and uh and and this book as well. So uh thoughts on the character of Sadie. Jesse said that uh thought that Jesse thought that Sadie was too much the idolized female. Did you guys get that?
3: Uh I thought she was a little tropish, but not terrible. Yeah. I mean the klutzy pretty girl that's not that's pretty and doesn't know it. Right.
0: Uh, well
2: I I think that's kind of a first for King because he usually doesn't when I think oh, i read too much King but it's, I feel like that's the first for him because when it comes to his female characters he doesn't really I don't think I ever remember him categorizing one like that before
0: mm-hmm. I, I can't again I can't speak you're going to be our King expert Nicole so be ready for that the 316 area code hello hello Hello, it's Matt Marks. What's happening, Matt Marks? Talk to me about the Kennedy assassination.
5: Well, I remember nothing because I wasn't born yet.
0: I understand, but do you <laughs> think it was? Do you think it was a lone gunman, or do you think there's a conspiracy? Do who? Uh,
5: wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it that guy from Watchmen? The comedian? Yeah, he did it, right?
0: Mm, I don't know. Did, according it,
2: to that universe, yeah.
0: It, oh, did he? Did the comedian kill Kennedy according to that universe?
5: Well, yep. I think it was kind of implied in the, in the comic and then more implied in the opening of the movie.
3: Okay. I actually read a series of books one time. where It was a John Dillinger assassination. <laughs>
0: really? Really? Yeah, well, actually,
3: there were six John Dillingers. There were six brothers, and they were all named John Dillinger, and they all looked alike.
0: Well, according to the X-Men movies, it was Magneto.
3: That's true. Oh, that's right. So, uh,
0: anyhow, so what did you think of this book, Matt?
5: This book was fantastic. I, uh, I'd never read a Stephen King book before this one, um, so I really didn't know what to expect. But I saw Time Travel and thought it would be a good read, and uh, I did the audio. Because I saw how many pages it was, and knew I wouldn't get through that in a month. Um, But the audiobook was really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think um, I think the fact that it's first person kind of helped get through. I mean, the length of it, where you know, I think if it was an audiobook and it was a third person type thing, and there were a lot of descriptions, that might be something where I just kind of fall asleep while I'm listening to. But since it's kind of a person, you know, talking and describing things and the voice that you're listening to is, you know, actually representing the character of Jake, um, made it so that I was pretty much, uh, you know, drawn into it as I was listening.
0: Yeah, the narration on the audio audiobook was good. I didn't like his Sadie voice that he would do. But other, yeah. than, that, other than that, I thought it was good. He was a very passable Jake Epping to me. and uh-huh. And I like the first-person narration in this because... Number one, it helped me know. Okay, my hero's going to make it.
5: Right, I was like, well, he's going to make it unless they like cut to. Well, I had, I kept trying to figure out. Well, how is this going to end? Because I was thinking, I I made the assumption, which I mean, it's a fiction book, but I kind of assumed. Well, Kennedy dies, so it has to end up with him being dead, right? Mm -hmm. But I made that assumption watching uh, Inglorious Bastards, and was a little shocked when they gunned down Hitler in that. Right. Right. So, Oilers.
0: Yeah. So, this guy, but the guy, Craig Wasson is his name. Uh huh. And, uh, and I thought he did a really good job. And, and that first person narration to me, I especially like the part where he's talking. He's like, and so I was working on two books, this one that you're reading now and another one. And I'm like, well, I want to see how he, I want to read the other one now.
5: Oh, the, the murder story. Yeah. The Maine, murder story. Yeah. Later took place in Dallas. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I want to, I want Stephen King to sit down and write. That murder story by Jake Epping by Stephen King.
3: I'm um, yeah. surprised, surprised he hasn't. But I
5: mean, well, uh, I was, go ahead. Oh, I was I was wondering if, and I can't remember if he gave a lot of details on what the murder was. I was wondering if maybe he was using the um, oh, what's the the janitor's dad or that murder story as like the central plot, or if he was using some real experience or something he had read about while he was there or if he was just kind of making something up
3: oh it, you know what I, I do think i remember wondering at one time if that was it but that's a good point because you know that that would have been a good story
1: mm-hmm.
3: yes and it wouldn't have been it's one of those deals where he could have told the story and nobody would have known that it was what should have happened i would have thought right you're twisted for coming up with this.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Killed them all with a hammer, really? Where'd you come up with that? Uh, That's
3: not necessary at all.
5: Yeah. That, well, and I don't know, um, if one of you have read some other Stephen King novels, the description that he gives of the story, does it fit one of Stephen King's other books and maybe it's kind of a like a cameo reference type thing to that or
0: what's what's is
5: that the Dunning
0: murders? Well uh, no,
5: the um uh, the, the other book he says he's writing. Oh.
0: Uh Nicole?
2: Oh, refresh my memory What was
0: the He's writing a book That's basically About the murders In Derry And um,
3: That was it No he's talking about uh, Henry's Dad And how he killed oh, I was the, family. Say.
2: So, yeah, the
3: only I So uh, yeah, I don't
2: Yeah the only thing that. That's really based In Derry Is it, it.
3: Okay yeah, I, don't, I don't
5: remember Any other book. Oh it is based In Derry Yes Yeah it is based In Derry. Oh, okay I've seen snippets of the movie, but it was a long time ago. Um, well, there's Yeah, I wondered better. when he talked about the clown killing someone, I was like, is this an It reference? or?
2: Yes, that was an It reference. Okay. There were a couple of It references in this book.
0: In, gotcha. Well, here's the thing. In Derry, there was that, that area where he said he went and it was like something was living down in there? That was It. Okay, all right.
2: <laughs> because It really, okay, It, Used the clown as a, it was like it is not really a clown. It was really a big mutant-looking spider. Ooh. Yeah, it takes the form of a clown. It was not. It isn't a clown. It's a, which it has shown up in other Stephen King. It showed up in the gun. In like one of the towards the end of the Gunslinger, it showed up in there, as its original, as its true form, not as the clown. So yeah, it is. It's, it's in a couple of Stephen King's books.
1: Hmm.
3: Yeah, he's really started trying to tie all his books together lately. I don't know what's going on with that. Because there's okay. money so to the be implication
5: made. Was that the was the sense of it were going on while Jake was back there in Derry? Or?
3: Yeah, they were just starting.
5: Yeah, cool.
2: well, it has been around for centuries. So it was really what they were talking about in...
0: A prequel. 11-
2: 2263. It was the be- it was really the beginning of it for the young care the characters when they were younger.
5: So okay, if yeah, and if Beth, I remember, it it's about, about them when they're kids and then they grow up and then they right. they come back to their town or something. And right, okay.
0: So so what you're telling me is Jake Epping was in the prequel to it.
3: Yes. Well,
1: if
2: that's the way you want to see
0: it, yes. He's making anyhow, Rod, you, you asked he's trying to tile his books together because he's making a shared universe because there's money to be made in that. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that's the thing well, he
1: says.
3: Well, well, in the Gunslinger series, they cross over into the stand, uh, it, the real world, not that horrible MTV show.
0: Oh, I thought, I was like, really? The TV, the MTV <laughs> show? Which season? They run into Miz? Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm glad I got you there, Nicole. I was waiting. I. Um so now that makes me want to go read more Stephen King books. Yeah? Where should you, I start?
3: Well, if you like this one, he did write The Green Mile was his, mm-hmm. Shawshank Redemption was his.
0: They mentioned Shawshank, Shawshank. by the
5: way. Oh, well, they did that. mention Shawshank, just the prison, yeah. I it noticed an, that too. It was, it a, novell- was a real prison.
2: Originally, Shawshank is a short story in one of his short story collections. Right. Huh.
0: And, and it's a great movie, by the way. It
2: is.
3: Fantastic.
0: I, I geeked out when they mentioned Shawshank. When he's like, yeah, you'll send Jeff to Shawshank. I'm like, "Ooh!" Andy Dufresne crawled through a river of crap so long I don't even want to imagine.
3: I was going to say, I was wondering if you're going to let it slip again.
0: Mm-hmm. I hope to see the Pacific Ocean.
5: I hope to see my friend. So, well, I would have if you hadn't. So, That's oh wait, was better Steve did?
3: What he brought in the priest from uh, what movie was it with the vampires? Uh, interview.
1: Um. Uh, 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 uh,
0: shoot, what Salem's, Salem's Salem's Lot. Lot. Salem's Keith Lot. Other Salem's Lot. Keith
4: Sutherland. Yeah, he brought that. Hold on, Gus. You're
0: number one. Matt Marks has has admitted I've never really read any other Stephen King books. And you're like, he brought in the priest from that vampire thing, and Matt starts, Interview with a Vampire, Kiefer Sutherland. He threw out just, Kiefer Sutherland. I'm peripherally <laughs> aware
5: of movies that are based on Stephen King, and probably haven't seen most of them either.
0: Interview was done by Anne Rice, was the author of Interview with oh, Vampire. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Kiefer Sutherland was in The Lost Boys, which I don't think has anything to do with Stephen King, does it?
5: Wasn't think... The Lost Boys Stephen King? Well, there
2: were kind of Lost Boys in Salem lot, so, I mean...
5: Kind of sort of okay. Oh no no the other the other Key for Sutherland movie with the Railroad and the Kids, that's a Stephen King, right? Stand, Stand by. Yep, that is. It's a short story. Yeah, in oh, my mind is it's just another a jumble of nonsense.
3: Yeah, he uh I like Stephen King a lot more when he's not doing horror. Because really? I do think he's a very good author. I just I'm not as big a fan of his horror. Mm-hmm. And that's kinda of what
0: he's known for, unfortunately.
5: Uh and that's why I haven't read him because i I'm not really interested in reading horror. See, that's the thing, is I'm scared to. Well, I'm all
0: about
2: the horror. I've read the majority of Stephen King's works.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, now, for the longest time, and maybe still, is, is, his, is Stephen King's big opus The Stand? Would that be?
3: I would say probably.
2: The and, well, The Gunslinger might be a little bit bigger.
3: All, if you put the gunslinger all together it is absolutely well yeah.
0: i i just mean as far as his his definitive work i would put the
3: stand up there yes probably the stand
2: it it depends on which if you if you if you're,
3: some, if you're, if it you're depends going one on the book.
2: fan yeah it depends on the fan of stephen king okay cuz some if will say some will say the stand and then others will say the gunslinger
3: mm-hmm. now if you are counting the gunslinger as the entire series then Yes, probably gunslinger. Yeah. But you know, what
5: is the band about? The uh, uh, the plague, apocalypse. That
3: a, a plague that wipes out the majority of the population and the survivors fighting to take on an evil superhuman of some sort in Las Vegas.
0: It's basically huh. his take on the Book of Revelation, isn't it?
2: Pretty yeah. much.
0: Yeah, that's actually not a
3: bad. But
2: also, that character is a character in there, Randall Flag. He mm-hmm. also showed. He shows up in the Gunslinger series. Well, and in another in another Stephen King book that I don't think many people have read, that's kind of sort of Game of Thrones-ish because it has dragons and whatnot in it. I can't remember the name of that book.
3: Eyes of the Dragon?
2: It might be. Is that the name of the book? It's just the dragon? I thought it was something different.
3: I, Eyes of the Dragon?
2: There you go. Eyes of the Dragon. I've read that one. Well,
1: I thought I thought,
0: <laughs> thought Flag showed up in a lot of his works.
2: Yep, he's in the Stand, he's in the Gunslinger, he's in the. I would say, "I The Eyes of the Dragon" is the first time Flag shows up. Mm-hmm. That is the first book King wrote with him in there.
3: And I think, if I remember correctly, he wrote that one because his daughter was young and didn't uh, wasn't a fan of scary books. So right. she, he wrote that one so that she would have something of his to read. But I might be wrong on that.
0: Well let's get back to eleven twenty two sixty three. Matt Marks, what'd you think of the uh time travel rules?
5: That was something I was curious to, to see just because I've seen I mean, between T V shows and movies and comics there's always these different theories and rules and the you know, the ones where they go back to try to change something but then they're the ones who cause it. So um I was very intrigued by the whole, you know, the the way it's described by Al at the beginning, that everything's a fresh start. And you always go back to the same second on the same day. But that you can change things. But then the past is like trying to stop you from changing things, which was, I thought it was really cool. Um, and was really confused by the yellow card man thing, was trying to figure out what his purpose was, and then just kind of forgot about him throughout the middle of the book, so when it got to the, you know, where he bumps into the green card man, you know, at the end, I, are we doing spoilers? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, I was trying to figure out, well, how is, how is this going to end? And I thought, well, maybe it's going to do, you know, this thing where he tries to stop it, but he fails because it was actually a second shooter, or I thought maybe he's yeah. going to succeed, but go back to the present, and then maybe, you know, accidentally come back into the past which resets everything and then I don't know, get killed by the yellow card man in a drunken rage or something and then everything would just be reset and we'd find out that he had been killed by some dairy news report or something like that and I was figuring out all these wacky things of how the past would fix itself so I didn't see it coming at all that he would succeed and it was the worst possible thing he could have done
3: I yeah I figured if he when he stopped JFK I was like something bad has to have happened in the future, Uh-huh. but I'm with you I didn't expect when he came back to be essentially a nuclear holocaust.
5: Yeah, well, and and that was the other because I, again I was always trying to I was trying to guess and figure out what the ending was after he did stop Oswald and then Sadie died. It's like oh well, and I mean he he was even kind of saying like I'm I'm going to come back and save her. So it's like well that's going to be it. He's going to go forward, he's going to come back to try to save her, and then he won't stop Kennedy. But then I realized there's no way there's that much left in the book where he's going to do five years again.
0: <laughs> right. I was right. like,
5: well, something's going to go wrong. He's going to come back and, yeah, something will be messed up or he can't find something or he doesn't make it or what have you. So, yeah, I didn't see the whole, you know, end of the world type situation coming at all.
0: What'd you think of the end? What'd you think of him going to eighty-year-old Sadie? Sadie at eighty. I thought it
5: was, um, it was bittersweet. because mm-hmm. um, the thing, I mean, even when I was realizing, well, there's no way he's gonna be able to go back and save Sadie just because getting to the end of the book, but like his relationship wouldn't be the same because he would, he would start out knowing everything and would be, like, it'd be a fake relationship if he went through a second time. So. Right. You know, I kind of knew that there wasn't going to be any way that that would work out well. So I, I thought it was kind of cool that he, you know, found her in the present day, and that that there was some kind of recognition on her part, but she didn't really know how to explain it. Yeah. Like, you know, her, she got to have, you know, a good life, and he got to, you know, see her one last time, kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Well, cool. Well, Matt, you got any any further thoughts about uh, about the O Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three?
5: Oh yeah, I wanted to ask when you, you said you didn't like the the narrator's voice for Sadie. Did you just was it one of those things where it's a guy doing a woman's voice? Where did it just sound like a guy to you? Or well, did you know, yeah. Like well, the...
0: number one, it made Sadie sound ugly. Two, I didn't like his <laughs> inflections and stuff, and I didn't like. I mean, like, I need to see the written word how it's written, but he puts uh-huh. on this 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 accent that's not a Texas accent at all. And I know she well, and she was from Savannah, and maybe it was a little bit Savannah, but not really that either. Okay. And so I just didn't. It just kind of great her that the voice that he did really grated my nerves because it was slowed down. And oh, George, let's have pound cake, and I'm just like, (laughs) oh my gosh, stop it, stop it.
5: So, for some reason, the the way he did the accent. It made me picture Sadie as uh Laura Dern in uh October Sky when she's the you know the teacher. Right. It
0: made me picture so, it made me picture uh uh Vicky Lawrence as mama from Mama's Family. From what now? Mama's Family. Oh, I haven't seen that. Well, he's <laughs> too young for that, Steve. That's, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's the night the lights went out in Georgia, guys. <laughs> so Alright. Well Matt Marks, thank you so much, my friend. All right. Have a good one. up the
5: good work of the show. We'll
0: do our best. You have a good one, man. Alright, you too. See ya. Alright, all right, guys. Listen, we've been going at it for a little while here. Nicole, you got any final thoughts about uh the eleven twenty two sixty
2: three? It was a good book. I enjoyed it. It may and I've actually added all the books that he referenced at the end into my Goodreads because it, it made me want to be like, okay, now I need to read more about the Kennedy and his assassination and all this.
0: Yeah, he did. He gave, he gave a good list, and, and some of them I really want to pick up, especially the one that has uh, a lot of information. And I think he said someone even got an interview with um, Oswald's wife. Right. And I can't remember. i have to go back and listen to hear what which one that was. But, yeah. That was uh, that. That's some stuff that I was interested in, in listening to as well. So, Rod, you uh, you got any final thoughts here? Um, it was a good book.
3: I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. So I was I was glad it was chosen. Not at first, but end result, I was happy. And uh, make sure you get to the Goodreads poll and vote. I think we've still got a tie, and apparently a tiebreaker is not Dune, as I've been informed.
0: No, it is not. We've talked about Dune on the show before. No, well, you can't blame a guy for trying, Steve. So, yeah. Time,
3: the, so, so go to the Goodreads and vote. Do not second.
0: The, yeah. Right. You just, well, now we're in the voting process. So, you get to the Goodreads site if you want to join the Goodreads uh, group by going to geekoutonline.com slash reads. That'll take you to the Goodreads page where all the forums are and everything. You'll have to register over there, but you can get directly to it by going to good by going to dot com slash reads. I'm going to take you guys out with the number one song of 1963 you can follow all of us on Twitter you can follow Geek Out Loud at Geek Out Loud at Golaverse for all of the Golaverse shows at Golaverse Reads for the Golaverse Reads specific stuff that goes on you can follow Rod at Rod B. Johnson Nicole is C-O 9-8 for life is that right
2: that is right
0: and that stands for Class of 98 for Life, guys. She's showing her school pride. Uh, so CO98 for Life is Nicole. And uh, I said I'm at Steve Glosson, didn't I? I guess so. I have now. Facebook.com slash Geek Out Loud. Don't forget GeekOutOnline.com slash Reads. If you want to support the shows directly, you can do so at Patreon.com slash Geek Out Loud. Our featured supporter for this week has been... Jamie Swan tapping into an ancient mystical powers. Jamie calls on the powers of the animal kingdom to aid in the fight against those who would wreak havoc on good citizens. Jamie Swan, our featured supporter on this episode. You can become a featured supporter and uh, so much more by going over to patreon.com slash geek out loud and supporting the shows directly there. Audible trial.com slash geek out for your free audio audible trial, your free audio book. Check it out. it's
3: great
1: Great
0: service. service it is Mixel.com slash Golaverse. that's where we do it live whenever we do it live rod nicole thank you guys so much for all the work you do thank you steve and we don't know our next we don't know our next book yet that's correct so we will just watch the twitter everybody and uh and we'll be back next month with another goloverse reads episode of geek out loud for rod for nicole for rod's dad For Wendy, for Matt, and for everyone who didn't call in, I'm Steve. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. Sugar Shack was the number one song of 1963. That
3: was a straight-up cut.